This is the final part in the uh, discussion of Yukio Mishima, and I'm using Mishima as an illustration of what I think is a particular instance of Romans 7, but of course the universal uh, thing that Paul is describing is articulated in, from a different perspective by Mishima, in that Mishima is, is giving us the logic of one who is going to end his life uh, through suicide, and he actually gives us a kind of justification for it, uh, a twofold justification. Uh, one is the outward justification through the emperor and the shield society, which he had founded. And the idea here is that they're, you know, he's going to restore the emperor to his rightful place. And what he's thinking of here, when he was uh, young, you know, he remembered the uh, Japanese. Uh, at the shrine, carrying the shrine and gazing off into the sky. He remembered his friends who had gone off to war. And there was this sense of a group who found a mystic union by being dedicated to some purpose, a, a tragic purpose. And so he's trying to recreate the just a, a kind of tragic purpose in the sword and shield society. So he had, uh, I'd mentioned he had turned from his opportunity to die during the war. He had taken up the career of a writer and stood, and so he felt like he had missed this security of a fixed I identity. And if you think of in terms of a samurai, you know, dying for his master, there is a, a sense that at any moment he could shame the master or in some way undo that relationship and it's only in death that his identity is secured for eternity and so as long as Mishima was writing and uh, he had taken up the career of a writer he felt like this achieving of a fixed identity was being eaten away by words he says those who died were fortunate. Uh, fortunately, they were able to secure a fixed identity, an identity established beyond all doubt, the tragic identity. As a boy, he describes he, he had felt an omniscience uh, uh, that he had lost uh, due to words. If I had achieved identity with the group, uh, participation in a tragedy would have been far easier. That is, he's trying to, to return to a kind of feeling of omniscience outside of words, because the words had worked to drive me further and further, he says, from the group. So his Spartan training with the Shield Society uh, that he is aimed at feeling the reality of this omniscience, of this fusion with the group, of the reality of flesh over and against words. In Freudian terms, he intuits this as a primary narcissism. As, you know, Freud describes a kind of pre-linguistic infantile fantasy. Uh, Mishima says... The intuition of my infancy, the intuitive sense that the group represented the principle of the flesh, was correct. 
And a lot of this, Freud, you know, will use the language of Buddhism, the Nirvana principle, uh, to describe a return to the womb, a return to a pre-linguistic state, to a kind of uh, seeking of a mystical union. And uh, to a large degree, Mishima seems aware of this idea that uh, he realizes that through the group, he can lose himself and attain the unity. He says, attain the empty gaze of those who reflect nothing more than blue skies. And so he had noticed the shrine bearers, you know, they, they kind of chant and looking up into the sky, kind of a, an empty-mindedness. I don't know if that's the, the, what he's thinking here, but the idea of individuation or the individual is undone as they chant together and they they you know prance around with the shrine together and this is his goal in his final work that he's describing in sun and steel so there is the outward motivation the outward justification of the emperor, but the inward justification is this idea of a return to a primary narcissism. Freud will equate this with sightlessness, and he will equate it also with castration. Uh, and it's a goal of final castration uh, that uh, Mishima even uh, seems to be describing, that there is a relinquishing of the erotic, of love, of uh, sexuality and a turning then to pure duty he says that at the moment when I first realized that the use of strength and the ensuing fatigue the sweat and the blood could reveal to my eyes that sacred ever swaying blue sky that the shrine bearers gazed on together and could confer the glorious sense of being the same as others I already had a foresight, perhaps of that as yet distant day, when I should step beyond the realm of individuality into which I had been driven by words and awaken to the meaning of the group. Uh, it, it's, uh, that's the struggle throughout his life, that his father is over and against his writing, is against his career as a novelist, his mother is the one who supports the novelistic career. So if you think of the, you know, the conflict between uh, the ego, the superego, the father figure, what Paul calls the, the law or any kind of authority, there is this sense of a squelching, of, of a masochism, of a suffering that will relinquish the individuality that would be connected with language and words. And so there is a kind of fear, there's kind of a trepidation that builds up within the self uh, between the law and the I, between the superego and the ego, that uh, squelches expression, it squelches the use of, of words. And so Mishima says, to achieve this divine sight, a dissolution of the individual is necessary. That is, to achieve the kind of melded, you know, gazing, empty gazing into the blue sky that I had to get rid of myself. 
And of course, he means this in the twofold sense. He's already working his way toward uh, his own demise, his own death. Um, but he wants to, in some way, achieve his death. He wants to, to get there through the S.H.I.E.L.D. society and in, in the company of these young men. Uh, and so he could only achieve this through, he says, an ever-mounting shared suffering, and so to death, which was the ultimate suffering. Um, he's describing something that many novelists in the post-war period will repeat that can be directly connected to the actually the advent of the confessional or the Catholic confession. And so the she shows it, the, the, uh, the I novel, uh, is a confessional novel. And that's what you have in, in most of the, uh, you know, leading up to the wartime literature, uh, is this idea of a suffering that is traced, not necessarily any kind of outward suffering, but the intense spiritual suffering, the inward suffering of the individual. And so what Mishima is wanting to do is to shift that suffering from out, from inside to outside. And by the conclusion of Sun and Steel, uh, his ultimate fate, you know, it's clear, it's already been sealed. He speaks of, of being united with the group and seeking death and glory. So he had achieved a return to what he missed as a child. But of course it's a one-way return, that you return to the womb, that if you think of returning in terms of the nirvana principle, that Takeo Doi will picture this literally, uh, and Doi is very aware that he's, in, in Freudian terms, as describing the, the, the dry, death drive fused with the pleasure principle, and you know the irony here, that ple the pleasure of dying is achieved then in being uh, melded with returning to mother. And so if you think of this as uh, 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 Mother Earth, Mother Nature, uh, the Japanese longing for mother is, is a, a well-documented thing. And so the irony in this uh, is that uh, you know, it, it's hard to say, it's hard to divide up father and mother in any kind of absolute sense because it's actually a drive to return to mother uh, that's behind the punishing superego. So he had achieved a return uh, that the, he, he, he began to feel uh, in the group, he said that the group had come to represent a bridge that once crossed left no means of return. In the epilogue, he, he first pictures a snake swallowing its own tail, uh, which foreshadowed his own final self-consumption. And this is the way Freud always, you know, the idea of a masochism is obviously uh, a self-consuming death driven by the, the, you know, your own pleasure and pain. In a, in a second image in the epilogue, Mishima pictures a self-defense force jet 
a kind of, he describes it as a sharp silver phallus. Uh, and he sees himself as sperm being ejaculated into the blue sky. And he quotes the poem Icarus, and he saw himself then as impregnating the blue sky, and at last himself becoming, he says, simply a blue speck of an idea. Uh, It's a tragic description of his own self-obliteration which he is imagining. Uh, That the thing that he's driving toward is being melded in with the sky, returning to the group, the omniscience of childhood. He uses all the language that's there in Freud. Um, And of course, the sexual imagery here uh, is uh, at the service of death, and that's the the fusion that Freud depicts in the Nirvana principle, that pleasure, the pleasure principle, and the death instinct have been fused, and the erotic or the sexual or any kind of real world human relationship has been drained out of this. The way that Jacques Lacan will phrase it is that there is no sexual relationship. That is, you cannot coordinate the superego. Uh, and the ego uh, within the self, you can't coordinate those two registers and you certainly can't coordinate it between another person. So at his funeral after, you know, he there's this, uh, you know, dramatic scene. He's out using a megaphone, he's uh, shouting, he's on the, the window of the General Mashida's office uh, is overlooks the roof that he goes out on and uh, the news helicopters are circling and there's a group of soldiers that have gathered down below but they're actually kind of laughing at him. Uh, he, he, he seems to be such a silly figure in their eyes. And what he's doing is trying to create, you know, he's calling them to restore the emperor. Uh, but what he's really doing. So again, the two justifications. Is that really what he's doing? No, because what he's really going to do is going to kill himself. He's going to commit seppuku. And so the outward idea of a tragic identity is simply at the service of the inward need uh, to in some way uh, return to omniscience through death. His brother said of him after his death that he spent his entire life in an unsuccessful search for himself. Actually, uh, Nancy Sinatra said a very similar thing of her father, Frank Sinatra, that he never knew who he was, that he spent his entire life trying to figure that out. Uh, Mishima is one of, and maybe that's just true of many people, but Mishima is one of the few people that can actually, he's actually articulated this this process uh, in, in a kind of brilliant fashion. I don't, you know, uh, it, it may not be it, it, uh, pleasure to read. It may be very painful to read. His mother's words to mourners was not to be sad. She said he finally did something he really wanted to do. 
and Shalom was not shocked at his end. So Henry, we began this series with Henry Scott Stokes' question, you know, why did this man do this, this brilliant, you know, uh, writer and actor and, you know, kind of all-around personality uh, end his life early and in such a tragic way? Well, in, in a sense, it was not a mystery at all to his mother, uh, who seemed to understand him best. Uh, but, uh, and, and he spells it out. Of course, Sun and Steel uh, is, uh, it, it, it is, I think, a posthumous explanation uh, that answers uh, Stokes' question. But if you put it together, then, with the tra- trajectory of his career, this is, in a sense, the place that he had always been heading. That his, his uh, you know, we often picture the the artist or the novelist as undertaking a kind of game, but it was no game for Mishima. That uh, he, and, and in in a sense, his own suicide is proof of the suffering that he's describing in this. Now, all of this to say that. Uh, that this is a tragic picture of the human condition, but I think it's a uh, it, it gets at then an articulation, a, a manifestation, one illustration of what Paul is describing, and of course what can be undone. But I think if we get the picture of the the law and the suffering under the law in mind, and then recognize that life in the spirit, you know life in the body of Christ is precisely aimed at undoing this, at breaking uh, this kind of false uh, construct of human subject.